Hello and welcome to the Middle East Forum speaker webinar series. I'm Stacey McKenna and I will be moderating this discussion today. We are pleased to have Dr. Amatsia Baram join us to discuss Iraq in turmoil. What does the future hold? Dr. Baram will speak for, for five to 10 minutes then open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen. We have many participants on this webinar today, so I apologize in advance if we do not get to yours. And with that, I will turn the discussion over to Dr. Barab. Thank you, Stacy, and thank you, Leonard and Daniel Pipes uh, for having me tonight. Um, tonight, or your lunchtime, more or less. Um, I will have to take the liberty and speak for about 10 minutes if Stacy will bear with me because there is so much material I found out that this is at least a, a semesterial course. So I will, I will squeeze it into maybe 10 minutes. Very briefly, I think that uh, to start with, I am a bearer of good news. I hope so. It looks like it right, right, right now. On the 7th of May, just eight days ago, uh, Iraq, uh, the Iraqi parliament uh, elected, because they elect the prime minister in parliament, uh, a, new, a new prime minister. His name is Mustafa Kademi. Uh, Kademi, if I could think of the guy who would be best for Iraq in the first place, but also for America, which is important, and for Israel, which is important, and for peace in the Middle East, if I can say, in the region, in the Gulf area, that is uh, uh, Mustafa El-Kadini. Uh, and I'll just tell you two things about him. He was a journalist, very, very effective journalist in the Iraq Memory Foundation, if you know about it, established by my old friend, Kanan Makia, uh, which really is some kind of a, of a human rights organization. And then he was a very prominent uh, journalist at Al Monitor, which is mar marvelous and excellent uh, magazine, uh, electronic. Uh, I, read, uh, I read Middle East Forum all the time and Al Monitor all the time. There are two things I read all the time and I like both extremely well, extremely, they are extremely effective and uh, informative. So this man, uh, was until now, after he no longer was a journalist, uh, he was the head of what I would maybe say the equivalent of the American of the US FBI, and he was very good at his job. He didn't, he had very few enemies. You can't not have enemies, but very few, and many, many very effective friends. One of them is the president, uh, Saleh. Uh, the Kurd, Kurd, Kurdish president of the Iraqi, of the state of Iraq, uh, also a friend, and he really, I think, chose very well this time. Uh, now, when he came, uh, his, his government was approved eight days ago, and uh, within two or three days, he came up with a, a number of declarations of intent, and uh, also a number of actual political acts, all of which are I would say almost unbelievable, but he did it. Uh, I'll speak today for as long as I have, but then you can ask questions, of course, about the principles or if you wish, the political commitments he made. I'll say a few words about his appointments, cabinet ministers of the greatest important and one military general 
four-star general, amazing, amazing appointments. Then I'll say something about his political action, what he managed to do only a few days. And then a bit about his future challenges, and they are tremendous, they are incredible. You are facing, and we are facing now, as a result of the corona disaster, huge challenges, no doubt. Take them and, and multiply them by 10 the Iraqi challenges. And he's the prime minister and he has to do it. Uh, then I'll say a few words, if I have time, about what it all means for America and Israel. Basically, I would say for both, these are good news. If I have more time, maybe I'll say more. Now, about his principles. First of all, the most important principle, he said, we are not going to turn Iraq, to allow Iraq to become a playing ground for foreign powers. Iraq will no longer serve as a uh, stage for, uh, for, for, it means America and Iran, of course, to play their game. No way. That's the end of it. He said it in the same words, exactly, to the Iranian ambassador in Baghdad and to the American ambassador as well. So he's using the same language about both. This is good news because until now, that was not the case with the Iraqi prime, uh, prime ministers. Then he said, uh, we are going to try corrupt officials. This is a revolution. No corrupt official was uh, in the last few years uh, tried in Iraq. And uh, I'll just jump to, to acts. He already instructed the uh, Supreme Court in Iraq to withdraw the immunity of 20 parliament members, whom we all know were accused of major, major corruption. But this is unbelievable. I mean, you really need to be courageous to do it. He did it. Uh, three, which is amazingly important to he said, all the militia, all the militias, what we call it popular mobilization, the PM, all the militias, 95% of them, or 90% of the big pro-Iranians, pro-Iranian militias, will, be, will come under the, the, the command, under the command of the supreme commander of the Iraqi armed forces, which happens to be me. And this means that until now that was not the case. They, they were actually uh, uh, only responsible for Iranian, for, for, for Tehran. They never, never uh, abided by any order coming from the prime minister or the minister of defense. Never. Now they do. Or at least he says they will do. He already, in that deals, he already accepted four of those uh, militias who volunteered to come under his direct command, as all the rest of them should be coming very soon. Uh, and all four belonged to Sistani, the granddaughter of Sistani. To the uh, to the badge of Kabbalah University, um, and this is like a first sign that this is going to happen, and they were happy to do it because Sistani said, uh, even a couple of years ago, he was ready to do it, but as long as nobody else did it, he didn't. Now he does. So you have that. Then he promised many other things. From our point of view, also in terms of uh, Iraqi society, it's not only anti-corruption. He also says my first priority on the economic level is to provide jobs to the young because we have from the 1st of October until this very evening, 
we have demonstrations of perhaps a million people, if not more, nobody knows how many, against the regime because of its corruption and, and, and neglect of the citizenship, citizenry. Uh, 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 no jobs, no government services, and especially, especially in the South. And the South is the one that is actually uh, revolting against Baghdad. Also in Baghdad, very important. But the South is boiling now all the time since, since 2018. So we have already two years. This is a bubbling cauldron. And he promised, guys, I'm going to do it for you. Then now, to hear, he made a few more uh, uh, announcements, very important. But about deeds, let's go into, into no, let's go for his uh, appointments first. First of all, he himself will be directly the head of all the internal security and intelligence organizations. Very important because he keeps a lot of power. So he's a, he's a prime minister and he's the boss of himself as head of this organization, that and that, four different organizations. Then he said, I'm going to appoint a minister of defense and the minister of, of, um, uh, of the interior, two very senior generals, acting generals, the most senior, and who are not just his close friends, but also together with him, are very resentful of the freedom and I would say even more, more than freedom, of the um, irresponsibility uh, of the uh, militias. And so the Minister of Defense and the Minister of the Interior, those who are in charge of those affairs, security and domestic and home, homeland security, uh, they will be his the closest friends and army generals. And I said the army generals have been very angry since three years already of the militias. So here you have, he has very close um, um, associates, you might say. Number three, which is, I couldn't believe it, uh, the reason for the, the the reason for the first demonstrations against the government on the first of October, uh, 2019, was that the Prime Minister Abdel Mahdi, who was very close to Iran, obeyed Iran and fired a three-star general who was the commander of the single unit in the Iraqi army that can really fight and did fight. They liberated Mosul with the Americans with everybody else, but they were the ones who did the, the heavy lifting. This general is anti-Iranian and pro-American. I'll say it very simply. He, he's not hateful of Iran. He just doesn't want Iranian interference. And he's not an American lackey. He just appreciates what America has been doing for Iraq. That's all. He was kicked out and retired. Now he's taking him from, he's giving him an extra star. So now he's a four-star general, and he's putting him in charge of the same unit, which is a division. It's only one division, but it's the only division that can really fight uh, as part of the, of the Iraqi armed forces. So when you see when you see that, you say, "Wait a minute! This is really amazing what you've done. The whole thing within one week." Now, other political actions. Okay, uh, he start he he. he First of all, he, he ordered the tourists to release from prison all the participants in the demonstrations against the corruption of the regime and against Iran, the demonstrations from 1st of October until tonight are against corruption and against Iran. North America, 
not Israel, not Zionism, not the Jews, and not the imperialist Americans, Iran. So many of them were, many, about six or 700 were actually murdered. And uh, about a couple of thousands are in jail. So he released all of them. This is huge. Then he uh, enacted a compensation for all the families of those who died and good treatment for the wounded at the expense of the state. All these are really amazing. Uh, okay, he prepared a, he's preparing commission, a committee actually of experts to discuss with the US about when, if, what, how the US forces will still stay or go in Iraq. I don't know what's happening there. Uh, and then uh, he also, uh, uh, yes, he also arrested a, a number of officers who murdered army and military demonstrators. So you can see that in everything he does, he's trying to show the demonstrators, guys, I'm for you. I'm helping you. Uh, okay. Uh, where is Iran in all that? Iran agreed. Iran agreed to his appointment. Very nearly willy, very nearly willy. But the, where is Iran here? And here are also good news. I'm not, I'm not going to, to tell you that this is something which is going to last for very long, I cannot say. But for now, uh, look, the Iranians are in deep trouble, as we all know. Uh, beginning with the embargo, which to my mind is very helpful to America and very damaging to Iran, and I think it should continue, but that's another issue. The corona, the Iranians, the, the regime did with the corona the same thing they did with those Ukrainian jetliner. They did not admit that it existed, which is a disaster. The, resu the result is that Iran is now in a state of panic of the corona. And the number of casualties is huge, but nobody can tell how many. Uh, also, the neglected, of course, are the health system, so they're in, so they're in trouble uh, on all that. Um, I would say oil prices, whatever they sell, uh, until now, uh, well, let's say, until about two, three months ago, they produced almost 300,000 barrels of oil, of crude, all a day. Today, I mean now, they went down to 70,000. So from, from 300,000, more or less, a little less maybe, to 70,000. That's not a huge drop. And that is a problem for them. So I only mentioned a few of the problems. The, the, the blow to the prestige, the prestige of the Rahbar. The Rahbar is like in Russian, Vojt, the leader, the, the great leader, Khomeini. Uh, the damage to his prestige is horrendous, and the damage to the uh, to the uh, 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 Iranian revolu revolutionary Islamic revolutionary guards is huge as well because they are in charge of everything there. So IRGC, so they are in trouble, and they simply didn't feel that they. they ah, one more thing: don't don't. Uh, this shouldn't be forgotten. The fact that the U.S. of A decided to assassinate uh, General Soleimani. I know that in America, this is a controversial issue. I cannot understand it. There are things in America I understand very well. There are things in America I cannot understand at all. This is one of them. Uh, I think that America, the Americans did uh, the right thing by eliminating the guy. He was really a curse. And I mean, a serious curse. Uh, 
it is like you decide not to to to, to kill Himmler in World War Two. Hitler himself, you can, but of course you couldn't. But uh, if you could kill him, uh, assassinate Himmler, why shouldn't you? Um, or and so the, the example is very simple. Into my mind, he was much more much more effective than, than Himmler, Himmler ever was. So I would say it was a good idea. And now the fact is that the control that Iran still has over the pro-Iranian militias in Iraq is going down. It's not vanishing, but it's definitely going down. If you remember, uh, the assassination also uh, killed another guy, uh, Abu Mahdi al-Muhandes, who was that, I would say, the effective chief of the pro-Iranian militias, all of them. They accepted his authority. Now they don't accept anybody's authority. The new one is unsuccessful. And so you see a decline when, when the, the, the new commander of the, of the Jerusalem Brigade or Division, Al-Quds, who replaced uh, Soleimani, when he came to Baghdad in order to try and uh, mobilize the, the government, even, even certainly the, militia, the pro-Iranian militias, he failed. He failed completely. He asked, he even was humiliated when he asked for an interview with Grand Ayatollah Ali Sistani, who is Marja Taklid, he is the, uh, the supreme authority uh, of all the Shiites in the world, much more than Khamenei, the Rahabar of Iran. And, and, uh, and uh, it fell flat. Uh, Sistani simply refused to see the guy because Sistani, one of your greatest uh, allies since 2003, I'm not sure you all, all Americans, uh, uh, policy makers, uh, understand it, but he is he's your ally because he wants an independent Iraq. He doesn't want American tutelage, he doesn't want Iranian intervention. He's really an Iraqi. So anyway, he, he was rejected, uh, this new commander of the, uh, uh, of the Jerusalem uh, division. So uh, I would say, and there is a lot of disarray among these, uh, among, among these um, militias. I even, I think I traced, I'm not so sure, but that, that we'll have to wait and see. I think I traced something which is true, it's really, well, quite a metamorphosis. The, uh, the new leaders of Kataib Hezbollah, the, the small group of people who replaced uh, Abu Mahdi al-Muhandes, the, the guy who was killed with Soleimani in the same car, with the, by the same missile, I suppose. Uh, the new leaders said a few things about America the last five, six days, which I don't know, it seems to be maybe it's not as hostile as it used to be. But in any case, the most amazing sign, if you wish, revelation that Iran now decided to tone down its intervention in Iraq and maybe it's confrontation with America, but we'll see, I don't know. But at least there is a sign here. The Rahabar, uh, Khamenei, made a speech three days ago, and that was the most amazing speech I've ever heard a radical Shi'i leader making. He said, the re 
we for many years neglected Imam, Imam Hassan. Imam Hassan was uh, the, the second Imam of the Shia, before Imam Hussein, who became such a hero and so on. But Imam Hassan was never a hero, because Imam Hassan made a deal with the Umayyads and actually, actually gave up his claim, his claim to, the, to be the Caliph. And he got a lot of money and so on. Shiites were always very ambivalent about him because he never stood up for his principles. He gave up. And all, but still very holy, very much loved, but a bit of ambivalence. All of a sudden, the Iranian Rahabar, Khomeini, is a leader, is saying, in fact, Imam Hassan was a great man because he knew when to tone down, when to go down a bit. And I heard it, that it cannot be, it cannot be, but it happened. So that's where Iran is. I'll just say, I'll end maybe by saying that the political tasks and the economic tasks of uh, the new um, Prime Minister uh, of Kazemi are horrendous, unbelievable. Uh, but with a little help from their friends, and I'm not talking about Iran, I'm talking about America and the Gulf states. And the Beatles, they think, with a little bit, a little bit of help from my friends, I can get by. It's not easy, it's difficult, everybody's in trouble today in the world, but certainly there is the first time I see a real hope from 2003. So let's hope something will happen. Thank you so much, Dr. Brahm. We have quite a few questions coming in. The first one is, with the Prime Minister's strong policies, how long do you think he can survive and last as Prime Minister? How, how, how what again? Say it again. Uh, how long do you think, how long do you think the Prime Minister will last in his position with all these strong policies? <laughs> I cannot even tell you how long will Benjamin, Benjamin Netanyahu last. So I would only say that he has a, he has a, a good fighting chance. That's all. So it may, he may last for a month or two, which would be a tragedy. He may last for a year or two or for four years. It's very, until the next elections. Uh, he, uh, he also promised to go for an, a new elections, and maybe he won't. He wouldn't like to stay after that. Uh, he, maybe he'll give, the advice some of my friends have given him is just declare the elections, go through it, and once there is a new, give up, go home, do your job as you did before. Uh, I hope that he can he can last in his job as long as he wants, which I believe certainly until the elections, a very good. Uh, anti-corruption campaign and a major economic thrust in order to uh, end the demonstrations and give people some hope for a better future. Well, I would say the Iranians will try to topple him, but right now they are not trying. Right now they are not. Let's wait and see. Thank you. What do you think the Prime Ministers will do regarding Israel? Will he support the Palestinians? It's a no deal. No deal. He will go with the Arab League. Saddam Hussein promised that he'd liberate Jerusalem and so on, right? 
if you remember Saddam Hussein promised, it was a very strange situation, almost surrealistic. There was an Arab summit conference in Baghdad in May of 1990, and Muammar Gaddafi got up and said, this is the right point for us to unite all our Arabs, conquer Palestine, liberate Palestine, kill all the Jews, kill all the Jews. And Saddam got up in the middle of Gaddafi's lecture, got up and said, uh, Brother Gaddafi, we are not here in order to kill Jews. We don't want to kill Jews. We should put them on very good boats and send them back to, America, to, to Europe, where they came from. So Saddam was very, very, you know, generous to us. Uh, I, as to the, the, the government, uh, this guy is not a friend of Israel, he's not an enemy of Israel. He's just, he doesn't want anything to do with Israel, unless the Arab League makes a different decision. He will abide by the Arab League. Now, i better say nothing more. I just said that basically he has the, the, the political freedom he has, okay, allows him to do nothing except for accepting the political position of the Arab League now. And that's very important. We Israel and America, we need him not to do anything about it, but we need him, I wish, you know, that he, he would give his daughter as a wife to, to Bibi Netanyahu, who is one of his sons. But, but if he doesn't want this kind of marriage, okay, we just, for the Israeli uh, military, it's uh, is Israel in general, it's very important that he does not allow the militias to accept Iranian missiles into Iraq and, uh, and plant them in the Western desert, like Saddam did in 1991 when he bombed Tel Aviv, Haifa, and so on. In other words, our expectation of this prime minister is one and only, practically. Don't allow any Iranian missiles to enter Iraq, anything. Certainly not to be positions in, positioned in Iraq. And we, that's top priority. Second priority, don't allow the Iranians to ship weapons and large units or small units through Iraqi territory into Syria. You understand? We don't want him to do anything with the Iranians when it comes to Israel. Just keep the Iranians uh, uh, off, you know, and at uh, uh, arm's length, and that's it. Uh, uh, because by, uh, under Abdel Mahdi, the previous prime minister, yes, they were shipping a lot of weapons and units and militias from, from Iran to Iraq or from Iraq to Syria and from Syria back to Iraq and from Syria back to Iraq and Iran. That has to stop. Apart from that, we have no real expectations. Thank you so much. Uh, what are the Prime Minister's views of the Kurds in the area of North Iraq? Can he satisfy the Sunnis and the Kurds while being identified as a Shia? No, the Kurds are Sunnis, and the Kurds are not Arabs. They speak Kurds, speak Kurdish, which is very, very close to German. You'll be surprised. Very Kurdish is very close to German, not at all to Arabic or to Hebrew or Amharian. It's not Semitic at all. The Kurds are nationally very different and culturally very different from the Arabs. Religiously, they are Sunni Muslims. The point now is that between them and the Iraqi government, there was a 
twist and tussle for a long time. It was mo mostly about two issues, about territories, certain territories, which have never been recognized by the Iraqi government as part of Kurdistan, but which the Kurds said, well, Saddam took it away from us, we want it back, and so on. You can argue about it in a hundred years. The problem is that he promised to settle the differences with the Kurds. And because there is another, so that's territory, territories. Then they are called the disputed territories. But but and by the way, that's where ISIS is coming back. That's where because the, the 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 regime there is not very effective because the two sides, the Arabs, the Arab Iraqis and the Kurdish Iraqis are, it's contested. It's a bit of a problem. There is another issue which is budget. The Kurds demand 17% of all Iraqi oil revenues to Kurdistan. Uh, no, whatever you do with it, they do with it. The Iraqis said, no, only 12%. Now, eventually, the Kurds agreed to 12%, but the Iraqis now stopped it anyway. So he promised to settle it, to, to agree on, apparently, to be 12%. And, and uh, salaries, in addition to that, to the army, and I guess that will be it. But we are not yet there. He promised to settle it. That's what I could say. And the Kurds support him. So maybe he gave them something secret, maybe not. Just hope he'll be better than Abdel Mahdi, the previous prime minister, who was really very antagonistic. Thank you. We have uh, two more questions. What is the coronavirus situation in Iraq? Oh, it's terrible. I'll just say that it's more or less like in Iran. In, if you read about Iran, it's as if you read about Iran. And the reason is, A, the Iraqis cannot close the border. The border between Iran and Iraq is porous. And thousands and thousands of people go every day from Iran to Iraq and back. Now, Iran is infested with corona because of the regime. Iraq, not so much, but the Iraqis couldn't and cannot completely seal off the border. Huge problem. They do what they can. I have to give them the, the, uh, the credit for that. But... So that's number one. So it's, it's very serious. Another issue, their health uh, system, the, the health care, the health system is in a terrible shape because the previous governments neglected it because of the, uh, definitely, definitely because of the corruption. So you have corruption and corona, it goes together very well. And uh, so Iraq is suffering tremendously from the corona. Uh, can I say that any help that will be given to them will be fantastic. But as long as they cannot seal off the border with Iran, Iran is absolutely in a state of disaster, coronal disaster. Iraq a little better, but not much better, mainly because of the, the connection with Iran and the health system. Thank you so much. So our last question is, is there anything the U.S. can do to remove Iran from Iraq? to sort of keep Iran as far as possible from Iraq. Oh yes, a lot, a lot. I mean, that perhaps is a 45 minutes lecture, but I'll just tell you, <laughs> I'll just say this, look, first of all, let's start with like, something which is easy. Uh, 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 the new prime minister already is in touch with the Saudis uh, over some kind of connections. America should encourage every move along these lines. I was just a few, not long, not very long ago, a few months ago, I was in Bahrain as a guest of the government. 
Bahrain is really very worried about Iran because you know that Iran wants to annex Bahrain. It's the only country the Iranians are saying this is a part of, Europe, of Iran, you know. So the Bahrainis are really very worried. And for the Bahrainis to develop friendly relations with Iraq will be even a matter of national security. So I would say take the Saudis, take the Bahrainis, add to it the Kuwaitis and the Emirates, and you get such a powerhouse with all the problems of Corona. Yes, Corona is a problem. But with all these problems, that will really help a lot. America. America should offer Iraq expertise, not only in military terms, which you do, we have been doing, you have been doing for a long time. Economic, for example, electricity. The whole Iraqi South is built on Iranian electricity, which A, is not trustworthy, and B, is expensive, and C, it doesn't, it just often doesn't work. But, but sent even enough know-how, how to build their own system in Iraq will be absolutely independent of Iran. They must do it. America can help a lot. America can help tremendously in Iraq when it comes to health services. I mean, where the money will come, I don't know, because the, I wish I did, because uh, everybody is in trouble nowadays, and the Iraqis are, are making less money, about 50% uh, of the money they used to make. Uh, on 95% of the Iranian, of the, sorry, 95% of the Iraqi uh, government um, income is coming from oil, 95%. And if you slash it by half, then you are left with very little. So they, have, they will have to borrow, America can help them to borrow a lot of money from outside. They have no choice. And uh, so maybe, maybe some loan guarantees. I'm not sure how to do it, but, uh, but they need to develop their health system. They need to, to professional advice. I'll tell you even one example. I mean, Israel could do it too, maybe even not better, but as well as the Americans, but, uh, but I don't think they'll turn to us. But, but here is something. Uh, the way 90% of Iraqi agri agriculturists are, are um, irrigating their fields is open canals. You know, you have this huge tap, shiver, whatever is called it, shiver, you know, and it, it spatters water in huge huge amounts of water. They, they go into open canals and the canals are, 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 are irrigating the field. But in the heat, heat of 45, 50 degrees, uh, you know, centigrade, or 110, 120 uh, Fahrenheit, I, I, how much of the water is rich in the field? Or, or the, you know, the, the crops? It's ridiculous. And this is almost all of the Iraq. Let America buy from Israel, or maybe you have it in America now, the drip drop system. It's a little bit expensive, but not exorbitant. This will save them 92% of the water they're using. And water in Iraq is, I mean, potable water, drinking water, is a huge problem. Huge. Because of water, the uh, demonstrations began in 2018 in Basra. And I'll just tell you this, this will be interesting for you. Look, during July, August, September, 
in Basra, 2018, every day 4,000 people had to be hospitalized because of drinking polluted water. Just that, 4,000 people every day. Now, of course, the hospital couldn't deal with it. Lots of people died. This is such a big problem. So how to manage the water? It's amazingly important. And maybe desalination. So Israel could help them a lot, but, but they cannot, okay. They cannot turn to a pan-Arab, all-Arab reason, reasons. Kazami would not like to, 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 to become like, he cannot do what King Hussein did and what, uh, and what Anwar Sadat did. He, he can't do it. He cannot do it. But America can do it. America can help. The money, don't ask me about money because uh, I myself don't have much money. So what can I say? I'm a professor. We are paid very meager salaries in Israel, you know. <laughs> so I don't expect me to give them advice where to get the money. But they'll have to get a lot of loans, very big loans. And America can help with everything. Security you do now already. And I just say that ISIS is coming, ISIS is coming down. So that I believe that in June when they negotiated with the, with the US of A, what to do about the 5,200 soldiers America is having now in Iraq. Maybe they reduce it to 4,000 or 2,500. Maybe it's possible. But they'll still need you there, and you and the Europeans, against ISIS, because ISIS now is taking advantage of the corona crisis to rise and shine. So I would say you have a lot you can offer them. And, and I can assure you one thing, at least this Prime Minister, Mustafa Kadhani, he doesn't want the Iranians to be in Iraq. Really All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Brahm. I do hope we have you back again. I'm sure you could talk on this for quite a while more. A Thank you very and much. It's been a pleasure listening to you. Um, we have come to the close of our webinar, though, unfortunately. Uh, please do be on the lookout for our weekly webinar offering for our upcoming webinars next week. Thank you again for joining us, and I hope you all have a wonderful day. My great pleasure. And honor. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs>